All right, good morning, everybody. Let's turn our Bibles to Numbers chapters 32, 33, and 34. There's a sign-up sheet out there for the women's luncheon. If you haven't signed up yet and you plan on attending, go ahead and sign up. That way we know how many people are going to be coming for chairs and tables and food and all that. It should be a good time. Um, we're getting closer to breaking chains. We're getting closer to the uh, garage sale for the orphanage. Keep those things in mind as we move closer to uh, those dates. Um, you know, start setting stuff aside. We were cleaning out our garage yesterday, or starting to anyway. It's, it's a week-long project for us, and then it'll be destroyed in a day, and we'll have to do it again. But we're finding stuff. We're starting to get a little corner going, you know, of all the stuff. So um, it's going to a good cause. All right, Numbers 32. The nation of Israel is uh, set to cross the Jordan River to finally take the Promised Land. And uh, they've come up the second time here with a whole new generation. Well, they've got a problem today. They've got a couple tribes that think they're okay where they are. And that's the lesson, I think, for this morning for all of us. Um, we can get to that place where we think we're okay where we are and not moving forward with the Lord and taking all of his fullness that he has for us. And so verse 1, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, that's two of the tribes of the twelve, had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazir and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came to, uh, and spoke to Moses and to Eliezer the priest and to the leaders of the congregation and said, um, Ataroth, Dibon, Jazir, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elil, uh, Heshbom, Nebo, and beyond, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, We have found favor, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Just a flat out request don't take us over the Jordan. When we spiritualize the text, we've got to be careful. But as we've seen the nation of Israel delivered from Egypt, which represents the world, by a God who's provided for them and set them free through no effort on their own. He's done all the miracles. He's done all the signs and wonders. He parted the Red Sea. And now they've been walking in the wilderness with them for 40 years where their shoes have not worn out. The water has not stopped and the food has not ceased. And there's really no way to have any of those things in a desert. And yet there it is. And so God says, we're working our way towards a promised land flowing with milk and honey where these uh, miraculous provisions won't be necessary. There'll be natural provisions when you get in there. And these folks have decided that they don't want to go all the way in. They don't want to go to where God wants to take them. This is the destination the entire time. There's never been another place that they've been headed to. They've always been headed towards this. This is always the best place that God had for them. This is the place flowing with milk and honey. The land of wilderness was for the disobedient, for those that didn't want everything God had for them. But the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that was set up and designed for them, is the one they don't want. That's always been the destination. And so they've asked simply, I don't want to go. We've got livestock and we're going to stay here. Now, when Moses hears this, this is, you know, this is the third time this has come up where a group of people have come up and said, I'm not sure, sure we want to go across. He says, don't do this. First time, cost us 40 years and a generation. You know? 
The second time, you know, you guys got skittish and fearful, and I had to correct you about that. We can do this, you know. And now this is the third time, and he's concerned about it. Just two tribes, but God, he wants the whole group. So Moses, picking up on the signals that this is a, a beginning of rebellion against God, a beginning of not following through with what God's asked him to do, he says to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, why will you discourage the hearts of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away to Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw, that the land, saw the land, they discouraged the hearts of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. Moses is concerned of it spreading. It only took 10 guys last time to get the whole group to decide not to go in. We had two guys that were all for it, Caleb and Joshua, but the rest of the 10 spies said, no, we can't do it. And it spread like wildfire through the camp and they all complained. And God heard it. You're starting that again. These two tribes are starting it again. And so he's concerned. So the Lord anger was aroused on that day. And he swore an oath saying, surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb and except Joshua, or Yeshua is how they pronounce it back then. Jesus, that's his name. Joshua. They've wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all that generation had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy all these people. The, the, the consequences aren't just for you and your families. The consequences was for the, the whole. My sin doesn't just affect me or just even my immediate, but it spreads and it affects more than that. Because my immediate has other relationships outside of that, and that affects those relationships, and then those relationships, and it ripples out like a drop of water in a, in a still lake. My sin affects so much. And you don't think about those consequences most of the time in, at, at the crossroads of sin. You think about, well, I think I can do the time. If you can't do the crime, don't, you know, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. That's what they say, right? Well, I, hopefully you don't say that. But that is sometimes our logic when we come to that crossroads where the Holy Spirit's saying, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't want you to do that. And the other side of us, our flesh, is saying, yeah, you can do this. And even if you did get caught, yeah. You know. And that's their thought. This is okay. It's acceptable to not go all the way with the Lord. As we see this example of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea representing baptism in this wilderness walk, Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua is going to take them across the Jordan River, that being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Spirit to defeat your enemy. Some people think the Jordan River represents going to heaven. It doesn't. There's no battle for us in heaven. But on this earth, we do have battles. And in order to win those battles, in order to defeat those enemies, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to follow Jesus all the way over, and we will conquer. We'll own the land. We'll occupy until he comes. Some Christians come right up to that point 
right up to that place where Jesus says, now I want you to walk by faith. I want you to walk in the Spirit. I want you to go further. I think we'll settle right here. This is good enough for us. And in their mind, that's okay. They're not so sure about that over that. In fact, later on, these guys are going to actually use their kids as excuses for not going over there because I don't know if I want to take my kids into war. I mean, who wants to take your kids into war? But in the process of not going into the Jordan, their kids don't get the promised land. What they thought they were saving their kids from, they're keeping their kids from God's best. And so as Christians, as we walk and we feel ourselves maybe plateau, there's rarely a plateau, it's usually a swift decline. We find ourselves not moving forward, let's call it that. And we think this is good enough, this is far enough. I've got my, I'm a card-carrying Christian. Um, I've got a Bible. It's, it's kind of marked up, you know. I did have that quiet time that one time, you know. Um, but that's, you know, I mean, I don't want to get freakish about my religion. I don't want to get overly zealous, you know, because those people, you know. I used to think that of my cousins. I've told you about my cousins before. They missionaries over in Israel. They were crazy. Sending me birthday cards about Jesus when I was nine. Like, what are you talking about? Where's the money? I wanted 20 bucks. It was supposed to be inside that card. And it's just about Jesus' blessings upon my life and prayer. Oh, that's great. You know, toss. Religious nuts. They were religious zealots. They were crazy people talking about Jesus all the time. Not at church. These are family events. They're talking about God. Of course, I've grown up since in the Lord. I've realized, no, no, there is no other life. There is nothing better. And I'm preaching to the choir here, but are you moving forward? You know? And don't be settled. Don't take second best. Don't take what God hasn't given to you. No, I don't want you to dwell here. I want you to dwell there. You know? This place is amazing. Remember the grapes? They should have saved those grapes that the 12 spies brought back. They'd be raisins, but big raisins. A lot of them, you know. Anyway, he's concerned. Well, the group here decides to reassure him. Then they came near to him. This is Gad and the Reuben tribe. And said, we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. There it is. But we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones, there it is again, will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. They'll be safe. We will not return to our homes until every one of our children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on the eastern side of, the, of this Jordan, of the Jordan. They've decided that. No, our inheritance has fallen to us here. No, it hasn't. Well, you just think it has. They've convinced themselves our children will be safer in these fortified cities. Don't trust in walls. You don't trust in that stuff. You trust in God. God says the safest place for you is to be all in with me. That's the best place for you. It's not only the place of most provision by me, because that's where I am. I take care of you emotionally. I take care of you spiritually. I take care of you physically. All these things are here. But outside of my umbrella, outside of my best for you, you run into problems. 
This is never God's will for Gad and Reuben to dwell here. This is their choice to decide for second best. We have choices. We have decisions. Our walk with Jesus is a, it's something we need to do, do, you know? We can't just sit back. I mean, you could just sit back, but it's your choice as to whether you sit back. God's not going to do that. Some of the prayers I've prayed sometimes, I'm embarrassed to say, are, they're just foolish. Oh, God, make this happen in my life. You need to read the Bible if you want that, you know? I remember, I, God, I want to know as much as I can about the Word of God because I'm going to be a pastor now, and I'm really scared about doing it, you know, because I don't know what I'm supposed to know because I've seen the guys that know what they're supposed to know, and I don't look like them. You know, you've been with the guys that have been in the ministry for 50, 60 years. You look pretty novice, really quick, amateur. I want to know what they know. But that only comes from study and reading and learning and applying. Because you can't just study and read. You've got to apply it and see how it fleshes out in real life. What's this look like? I mean, the instructions are fine, but what does it look like when I do it? You know, and because people are going to ask me, what's this look like when you do it? I don't know. I've never tried it before. I've got to do it, you know? All in. God wants us all in. He doesn't want us halfway. He wants us all in. But they've convinced themselves this is the best. It's for our little ones. They'll be protected. The safest place for our kids is to take them to the promised land. For my kids to see me walking in the Spirit, to see me walking by faith, praying, talking about Jesus at home, I'm the same here as I am at home. They need to see that. Because otherwise it's all academic. It's just coloring pages from Sunday school class and claymation or you know, clay, clay projects and a lot of paper plates with turkey feathers on it and stuff. Or whatever we bring home from class. They need to see that fleshed out. They need to see what this looks like. Okay, I heard a great story and I learned a lot in my Sunday school class. Now I'm looking to my mom and dad to see what does this look like in my home? How does this work? That's a real struggle to teach kids algebra when you're homeschooling. When am I going to use this? You just need to study it, okay? I mean, I don't have a real... I've never used algebra, ever. Now, Fernando has <laughs> a lot <laughs> and others. But for the most part, but this stuff, you use every single day. You use your relationship with Jesus and all these instructions that he's given us and the power of the Holy Spirit every single day. That you use all the time. No matter what job you have, no matter what field you enter, no matter what station in life you take, always, always use the Word of God. You will always be glad. But they want halfway. They want to go back. So they promised Moses, it'll be all right. We'll go to war with you while our children are safe. We'll make sure that you're taken care of. There's almost a condescension there. Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, don't worry about us. Remember, we're doing a mission for God. We get the land because we're doing what God's asked us to do, was to evict the current occupants. It's not about us getting the land. It's about doing what God's asked us to do. In the process of that, we gain. And just let that sit there for a little bit. As Christians, our mission here on earth is to restrain evil. 
to hold it back, to push it back. The benefit of doing that is the blessing of God upon our lives, the, the fact that we've occupied more territory, that there's more peace in our lives because we've pushed back the enemy, sit back and let the enemy set in in our lives and in our homes, and we won't have that. So they're going to get this, and we're going to get this, so come with us, and if you do, okay, afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Building cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. Do whatever you have to do, but understand this, if you don't go to war, if you don't go to battle with us, you're in sin. I don't know if anybody thinks of it that way. As a Christian, when I'm not doing what God's asked me to do, I'm in sin. There's sins of of commission. You can commit sins, but there's sins of omission as well. When he tells me to teach my kids in the way that they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. He's not asking. He's telling me that's what I'm supposed to do. So when I don't teach my kids in the way that they should go, I'm in sin. It's something I have to repent of. When I'm to be the wife that I'm supposed to be for my husband according to God's word, and I don't do it, then I'm in sin. Same for husbands. When you don't do what God's asked you to do as husbands according to God's word, you're in sin. There's some action here. We've got to be active. And so he warns him about that. Go to battle or you're in sin. All right, we're going. We said we'd go. Verse 25. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spoke to Moses, saying, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will cross over every man armed for war before the Lord Uh, to battle, just as my Lord uh, says. We'll do just like you want. And just like that, they miss out on God's blessing. They've been given permission to miss out on God's best for them. And it's it's sad. And you see that in your friends and your family probably. Maybe, Maybe you, maybe not. But when you're ministering to them and you see Christians that are... I don't mean they're kind of Christian. They're fully saved. I'm not getting at that. I'm saying they just don't, they don't think about it like you do. They don't talk about it like the normal Christians in the Bible do. You know? they, don't, they don't live it. They, it. It doesn't affect every part of their body. It affects Sundays, maybe a Wednesday or two, but it doesn't affect everything they do. They don't base their husbandship off of the Bible. They don't base what a woman is to be off of the Bible. They base it off everything else in the world and they try to bring Christ along with it. It's, it's different. And you find yourself becoming more and more distant from those that don't want to walk with God fully. You're in good company. You're in Caleb and Joshua territory then. Caleb and Joshua were forced. They didn't, wouldn't that have been nice if they could have just gone in themselves? You know, Caleb and Joshua said, hey, we said it was great. Yeah, you guys go ahead and go on in. These guys got to wait 40 years. Bye. You know, they'd be living it up. They'd be walking around Jericho by themselves and the place would be fallen. They'd be taking out AI by themselves with, God's, you know, with God doing the war. But they didn't. 
They had to stay with those people that didn't want to walk fully with God and watch them suffer and complain for 40 years about it. And so you're in good company when you find that yourself in that situation. How come, you know, is there anybody? Joshua and Caleb, think of them. There's always Moses and Aaron and those guys, but for the most part, nobody. Nobody was interested in going in. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eliezer the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben cross over the Jordan with you, every man armed for battle before the Lord, and the land is subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they do not cross over armed with you, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Don't ask me where that verse 30 comes from. Nobody knows. I have no idea what he means there. You mean if they, didn't have to, if they don't go over to battle and they stay back there, they still get a possession in the promised land. I, I look for commentary after commentary. Somebody tell me what this means because I couldn't figure it out. It's not there. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe you know, but for some reason, they're going to get land in the, Canaan, in the land of Canaan, the land they're going to take over right now, whether they go in or not. But if they do go in, they get the stuff on the east side of the Jordan. So I was just, any questions afterwards, I'm like, I don't know. If you find out, let me know. I'm, I'm interested. Verse 31, then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, as the Lord has said to your servants, so we will do. We will cross over Arn before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us on this side of the Jordan. Now, watch this. So Moses gave to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with its cities, with the borders, uh, within the borders, the cities of the surrounding country. Where did that half-tribe come from? Did they get sucked in? Was it starting to spread already? I don't know, these guys got a good idea. We got a lot of cattle too, maybe we should join them. Man, you wouldn't think inaction would spread, but it does. You usually see activists getting people fired up to move forward. I've seen that, but rarely, and maybe I don't notice it, does inaction spread. Uh, but it does apparently. Maybe we shouldn't take all that God has for us. Maybe somehow they got convinced that Reuben and Gad were right, and now we've got another half-tribe who's not going to gain everything that God had for them. Be careful of those whisperings. I don't know what it would look like in your life. Uh, maybe you've dedicated Sunday mornings to worshiping God. You want to do that, and that's something that you do as a family. And, and, and some, I'm not... I'm not I'm not saying you can't miss a Sunday. I'm just saying maybe that's something that's real strong. But, you know, other people say, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's no big, you can worship anywhere. It's no big deal. Come on, let's go. Let's go to here. And you begin to listen to that stuff. Not just once or twice or three times or four times, but all of a sudden it becomes a habit. And now no longer do you even, I don't even know what church to go to on Sunday morning. I haven't been in such a long time. And you find yourself in the place that these guys are at. They're distant. They're far away. They're not a part of the group. You know, the reason I bring that up is because these are the three tribes that are going to be attacked first. 
These are the three tribes that will be conquered. These are the three tribes that lead all of Israel into captivity. What would have happened if they were on the right side of the Jordan? What would have happened if they'd gone completely all in with God? But they get picked off because they're separated. Be careful about that. Those whisperings of Gads and Rubens in your life that say, ah, oh, you know, come on, you don't need all that. I don't know, God's moving me forward. I'm excited to see what he's doing. I really felt like it was impressed on my heart to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to have all the fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. I want to I have everything God has for me. Oh, easy, 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 you know. What are you, charismatic or something? You know, are you Pentecostal? Jesus was Pentecostal. Be careful. Now, we're going to jump over here. Because the rest of it just names who stays and what parts they get. Chapter 33, these are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down uh, the starting points of their journeys and commanded, uh, I'm sorry, at the command of the Lord. And these are the journeys according to their starting points. And I will not read those to you. It's very difficult pronunciation and it's just going over exactly where they went, point by point, so you have their map, okay? So jump down to verse 30. You can read all those names and places on your own. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Instructions. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you're supposed to do. They don't. But I want you to go in and I want you to completely move them out. I want you to completely wipe that out. All of these uh, pagan gods and all this bizarre worship where they sacrifice their children and, and do all these strange things with beasts and animals. I want you to wipe it all out, demolish all their images, erase that. I don't want that getting into your heart. I don't want that infecting anybody else. I've given them 400 years to repent. We're moving in. And then you live there, and I want you to occupy it. I want you to dwell there. That means hold the ground. Clear it out and hold the ground. That's a harder thing to do than it looks or than it sounds. Clear the ground of my heart. I bust it out. I remove that. I get that out of my life. Holding the ground is harder than just eradicating. The eradication of getting rid of sin in your life, you can do that pretty quickly. But keeping that stuff away is a constant battle. You're constantly being bombarded, and you don't know it until you remove it from your life. Because for now, you're receiving it. All the bombardment, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. No big deal. No conflict at all. I receive it. When you push it out of your life, and you feel that coming at you, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have no idea. I had no idea how big this battle was until I joined it. I want you to get into that land, remove it, dispossess the people, and then I want you to inhabit it. I want you to occupy it. Dwell in that land. And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. To the larger you shall give a larger inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. 
There everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. First warning there is if you don't get rid of them, you're going to have a miserable life in the land of promise. It's no longer a land of promise. The land of promise works. The land of blessing of God works when everything's removed, when the sin is eradicated. When you leave pockets of it there, you don't get the fullness. You don't have everything. And you can't figure it out. I should be happier, shouldn't I? I should be further along. I should be enjoying life more, but I'm just, I feel depressed or I feel sad or I feel like I'm being attacked or I feel, I don't know, I just don't feel like victorious. Look at your life. Have you removed everything or have you made friends of your enemies? Have you left pockets of sin in your life all throughout? Little pockets, not major ones that anybody else can see, but small enough that you could enjoy, but nobody notices hidden things. That's why he says that your sin's going to find you out. They become irritants to your eyes and thorns to your flesh or your side, and they'll harass you, and they do, and they do, because they don't eradicate everybody. They don't listen to God's warning here. And the second warning here, moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. You become an enemy. God hates sin. In me, outside of me, hates sin. And if I feel like I'm being attacked by God, He's not attacking me. He's attacking the sin that I've made a part of me. I've allowed that to come into my life. I've allowed an enemy, some form of rebellion against God in my life, and I can't figure out why I'm always feeling at odds with God. I'm trying to get rid of that. I'm not fighting you. I'm trying to fight the rebellion. I love my kids. We all love our kids, I hope. But boy, you hate that rebellion in them. You hate it when they act up or smart off or mouth off. I don't... Why are you so mad at me, Mom? Because I, I love you, but I hate that. And the best thing for you is to get rid of that, you know, as a parent. You know that. So it feels rough. It feels like you're being chastised and rebuked and grounded a whole lot by your Father in heaven. But he's doing it for our benefit. None of my kids like to get slivers out of their feet. We used to, when we go to the lake, we haven't gone in a long time. We go to Okaboji and we run down the docks that were wood. Inevitably, you come back with a sliver. Nobody wants to lay on their stomach and have your parents straddle your legs and get the tweezers and just start pulling. Nobody. No, it'll just come out on its own. My body will absorb it. All the arguments come out, you know. But if you don't, you're going to walk with a limp for a really long time. It can get infected. I mean, it can get really bad. And you're not going to enjoy yourself. It needs to go. This is a very small example or minor example. God just wants to get these out of our lives. I want to get these thorns out of your lives. I want to get this irritant out of your eyes. You know, I want to flush it. I want to flush your eyes. I want to get that thorn out. I want to get that sliver out. I want, to, I want you to do well and enjoy the rest of your summer here. You know, God wants that for us. Now, chapter 34, we're not going to read. We're going to pick up next week in 35 and 36. Chapter 34 covers the boundaries of Israel, their land. It goes from the Jordan to the Mediterranean. That's the other way for you guys, isn't it? And then from about 10 miles north of the Galilean Sea, almost down, to, it's all the way down to the peninsula there. 
That's their land that God has said, this is what you're going to divide up amongst the 12 tribes. And then he appoints leaders in uh, verse 16 to divide up these uh, pieces of land. This is yours, this is mine, and this is how much you get. And that's where we close today. Now next week, we're going to talk about the cities of the Levites, okay, how they were taken care of because they're not going to get any land, but they're going to be dispersed throughout the land as Levites, Levitical tribe. They're going to get cities, pockets, throughout all of the land and how they're taken care of. Cities of refuge where you can run to if you've been falsely accused or even if you are guilty, the trial will take place there at the city of refuge. We're going to talk about that. And then we'll finish up with marriage um, of the family, of female heirs so that the land stays the same size, okay? And then we'll move on. Uh, next week will be, we'll close the numbers and we'll move on to Deuteronomy. So that's where we'll be, all right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. Uh, as we watch these guys in the Old Testament, these things were written for our admonition. Um, very, very similar, Lord, is our walk with you. And, and being saved is wonderful and everything, and that's what we want. But you want us to have victory down here. You want us to conquer. You want us to, to dispossess and to occupy the land until you come. And so, God, help us to not be uh, committing the sin of omission. Help us to be doing what you've asked us to do, to make our family stronger, to be better husbands uh, according to your word, to be better wives according to your word, to be better kids according to your word, better employees, better friends, um, better sons, better daughters, everything according to your word, God. Help us to be walking in the Spirit, filled with your Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit flowing out of us with the fruit of the Spirit being very evident, God. We want everything you have for us in this promised land, and we know that comes by you, Jesus, taking us across the Jordan, baptizing us with the Holy Spirit, and walking in that Spirit and not in the flesh. This Lord, help us, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.